Eric's were local heroes. They were the all-American boys, the Christian athletes. You've got young guys making a fortune, a lot of it in cash. They're matinee idols, they're movie stars, they're rock stars, they're on television, they're celebrities in a major city in the United States of America. People are going to offer them and they're going to partake in drugs. But that bell stands for pride and honor. And it stands for what the Von Erich family and Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado, believes in. And that's hard work, guts, and going fist and fire for something you believe in. Dreams are what I'm made of. When you think of wrestling families, you have the McMahons, you have the Funks, the Hearts, the hell, you could even include the Cons at this point with Tony and Nick. But when I think wrestling families, I think of the Texas bred Von Erics. And I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Another Von Erichs retelling. There's been books. There's been Dark Side of the Rings. There's been a DVD released by the WWE about the rise and fall of their company. But the thing is, with each of those, you never hear the full story. You get bits and pieces based on what narrative wants to be told. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring wanted to paint the Von Erich's life as truly terrible. And in my opinion, I think they fudged a few things, as they do with every one of their episodes. Um, the WCCW one focus, from WWE focused a little too much on the promotion. Didn't really do a deep dive into the Von Erichs themselves. Uh, that's what I'm here for. There's nothing strictly... Like, the, the Von Erichs are sprinkled into the WCCW stuff, but it's only the negatives about the Von Erichs. There's no narrative here at Pro Wrestling Proverbs. Yeah, no. I mean, I love Kevin Von Erich. I'll admit, out of everyone that I wanted to be at StarCast, I was a little disappointed he didn't show up, especially since his sons wrestled on the card. But, you know, like I told you before this, he's living his life in Hawaii now. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to travel to Tennessee either. But uh, you know, what, did, are are you are you familiar with a lot of the works of the Von Erichs? I know that their stuff was a long time before you were watching, and none of them really. Um, you said that I, I well, I guess I would say that you know a lot from say Attitude Era onward. Like that mid-90s to now. If that. Uh, 
and and I mean none of the none of the main Von Erics um, wrestled around that time. We'll get to why. Um, a couple of the Von Erics have wrestled recently. Lacey Von Erich was in TNA, but you didn't really watch TNA. The Von Erich boys, I'm sure you didn't really know who they were until Starcast. Um, Most of what I know is from you, I would say. Yeah, I, and, and like that's where most of it would come in. Like I said, I I I I've I've been a fan. Um, there's only two times that I know at Starcast that I had an actual reaction. Um, the one was when Ric Flair came out. Uh, it's kind of when I moved away from the group. I recorded his entrance. I wooed. It was just a moment to be there. The other is when the Von Erichs came out. And they lift, They put their hands in the air. They showed the claw. That was the other time that I responded. As much as I liked the Briscoes, which is who they faced and who they lost to, I put the claw up as well. Just, just something about them. I don't know if you'd call them my guilty pleasure in wrestling. I mean, because because comparably they're they were they're good wrestlers, but there's nothing special. There's no flash. There's no sizzle. You know. Right. Uh, I mean, Legion of Doom, big hulking men with face paint. Hulk Hogan, tear his shirt off, represents America. Von Erichs were just good old Texas boys. Not those kind of good old Texas boys. Oh. Not those kind. Oh. Not those kind. Okay. All right. Sure. Um, just good down home ones. I mean, and I remember the first time I, I I recognized who they were um was on the old Legends of Wrestling games. And it's because it made me angry that because I knew they couldn't have every legendary wrestler on there. I didn't know the exact reasoning, which was like contracts and trademarks. But I knew that they all couldn't fit on the game. So it made me mad. I forget how many there were. I think there's three or... Because Fritz was on there, but Fritz doesn't look like the boys. Um, there's about three or four spots, and all the boys looked the same, except the one didn't wear boots. And it made me angry, because to my little mind, someone else could have their spot. That, um, that is something you would get mad at. Legends of Wrestling 2 didn't have Owen Hart. Um, the I, it, Like I said, I didn't know about contracts and trademarks, so I was always angry that Shawn Michaels wasn't in a Legends of Wrestling game. And I'm like, why? Especially since Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam were in it, I didn't understand. Right. Because like, that was like early 2000s, so it was before Eddie really hit his peak, and that was when Rob Van Dam was like a mid-card guy. Shawn Michaels, you know, they were hyping him up as this legend. He was on all the tapes. I didn't understand why Undertaker wasn't in the games. But there's these guys with these goofy bowl haircuts. Generic yellow, blue, red shorts. And then their finisher was a claw. Like a, a something I could do. But uh, as I've gotten older, and I've read more, I've watched more... Like I said, I, I've come to really enjoy the Von Erics. The story is, is, is it, it is depressing. I mean, from start to finish. Um, 
think that's why I don't hear a lot about it. And I'm sure Kevin hates reliving it over and over. And but uh, it's something we're gonna do here today. Hopefully, it's not listening. Like, yeah, I mean, if you are Kevin, hopefully I did good with, you know, your family and stuff. If I got anything wrong, I'm sorry. I got most of this from or any of the quotes or any of the big facts I got from the triumph and tragedy of World Class Championship Wrestling, WWE DVD, because, I mean, not going to crack open a book, but I can just watch a nice documentary. Um, all right, but I guess to I guess to start with the Von Erichs, you've got to start with the Von Erich, Fritz. Uh, he was born Jack Atkinson. He was a football player and a discus thrower at SMU. Um, Kevin states that Jack couldn't get into the Olympics because he was married and they wouldn't pay for his travels. Uh, because of this, he was going to go to the Olympics for discus throwing, but because of this, he then transferred to the University of Corpus Christi. It was an AAU school, and it would still pay if you were married. Uh, while there, he started wrestling as Jack Atkinson, and they moved to the Niagara Falls area. I gotta imagine that's a pretty big culture shock back then, going from Texas to Canada. I mean, it's not like now where they've got a little bit of everything everywhere. Like you're going from the deep south way up north and you're this big burly man um he attempted to be a fireman he attempted to be a detective eventually settled on wrestling a skandor akbar one of the big wrestling managers and promoters of texas said that nobody in texas had the impact that this man had um, and that's when he's talking about not only um, fritz's but jack's impact on the scene in texas before we get too much into Fritz's wrestling career, we have to mention the first Von Erich death. It's the one that's often, you know, unmentioned because he didn't get into wrestling. This was little Jackie. Jackie was the firstborn. Uh, he died in 1959. He's electrocuted. Only six years old. The story goes he was accidentally shocked while bringing his bike in during a rainstorm. And... He fell into a puddle and drowned. Now, oh my God, <laughs> why? Now I've heard in shoot interviews. I'm not gonna say which ones because I don't want to dredge that up. But at the reason he went out in this rainstorm, which again, this is allegedly, to get the bike is because his dad told him you need to go out and get the bike, and. His wife was like, oh, it's raining. He could get electrocuted. And he's like, that's not going to happen. Go get your damn bike. And it happened. <laughs> Six years old. Um, so, I mean, like I said, from the beginning to the end, it's just. Right. If this was a roller coaster, uh, I would compare it to the dragster, but just over and over. That, um... It's just super fast. You get a little bit of a break. That it's super fast, but just over and over. That this story was really shocking. <sighs> yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Jackie's death. Uh, it changed Fritz, both in real life and in the ring. 
Um, in the ring, he began pairing with Waldo Von Erich. He eventually started going by Fritz Von Erich. This was rumored to be a name given to him by Stu Hart. Um, Kevin actually described Fritz's new style as he wanted someone to kill him, to punish him. Not that he wanted to kill someone, he wanted someone to kill him. Which this, again, because of the, the tragedy of losing Jackie. And so that's he would go out there, and that's that's why it seems he became this devilish character. Um, you know, the Von Erichs, clearly with the last name, being heels, they would goose step in the ring, uh, put two and two together as to what they were trying to be. Um, he actually... I went to Japan a couple times, and when he came back, he said he brought a devastating finishing move with him. But he's not going to reveal it just yet. He's going to give it time. About 20 to 30 matches into wrestling as the character in America, Fritz brought the Iron Claw out. A devastating submission hold that all the boys have used since. So all it is, and, I, and I'm sure this is going to sound just silly, it's literally a claw, something that if, if you're listening, you know, you've got brothers or even cousins, you know, you put you put your hand over their face and you squeeze. You put your hand on top of their head and you squeeze. You put your hand on a pressure point, squeeze. That's what the claw was. Um, Back then when he first used it, it would be put on like the abdomen or the stomach area and some of the opponents would actually throw up blood to give the show the impact of the finishing move. Um, it was one of the first truly devastating ones. Um, let's see. Fritz uh, would actually travel to the East Coast quite a bit. Uh, this allowed Waldo to use the name in the WWF. Fun fact, Waldo trained Eric Young. Um, Vince McMahon actually said to Waldo, Waldo, I know what you're like, but I hate your guts in that ring just to show the kind of characters that these two played. Um, Waldo actually challenged for the WWF and NWA titles on separate occasions. But it's enough about Waldo. Get back to Fritz. He wrestled mainly in St. Louis. As I said, he was in Japan. He's actually used as one of the Gaijin, which is the American wrestlers, to help rebuild Japan after the stabbing of legend Ricky Dozen. Of course, Fritz wrestled in Texas. Um, Fritz actually teamed up with Ed McLemore, who's the owner of the famed Sportatorium, and they broke away from the Houston promotion. Years after this, um, Ed died and Fritz became the man. Ern Gagne said that Fritz's promotion worked because wrestling is wrestling. Uh, Gary Hart was a manager in Texas. He also did some NWA managing where he managed the great Muda and Terry Funk. He said that Fritz was a wrestler who happened to be a promoter. Which, this puts him with the likes of, you know, your Vern Gagne as opposed to your Vince McMahons or your Jack Tunneys, where they were just promoters. Um, as I said, Fritz had a big impact on Texas. He was there from the start and up until really the end of Territories in Texas, you could see Fritz's handprint probably left by a claw um to get into the boys kevin was the oldest living he played football at north texas he wrestled in the off season as one did um david then joined him a year later but 
David didn't go to college, so he really got to grasp the sport of professional wrestling. Kevin and David were the closest, especially between um, football and wrestling. They didn't have a lot of time to raise Chris and Mike, who were the two youngest. So Carrie Von Erich did that. Um, I guess before describing the boys, the three main wrestlers were Kevin, David, and Carrie. You know a little bit about David because we talked about him in our um, rumors episode. He was the one that wrestlers debated if his stomach exploded or if Brood- Brody actually flushed the pills down the toilet. Mm. Okay, yep. Yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, Kevin is the father of the current Von Erich wrestling, and Carrie was the one that went to the WWF as the Texas Tornado. Um, a lot of times, Kevin would be called the 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 better looking of the three. Um, David was the best wrestler. He was the one that had he lived, probably would have had a couple world title reigns. Carrie was the total package. Which is funny because when I look at him, I I see Alex Luger in him. Um, but Kevin and David wrestled for two years together before Carrie joined the fold. Uh, Carrie was at the University of Houston, and while there, Kevin said that he had the farthest throw of anyone in the world under the age of nineteen. But because the Olympics were boycotted that year, he could um, not actually throw at a worldwide level. So instead of waiting another four years to throw, he began to wrestle. Um, every so often, Fritz would join the boys in tag matches, six-man tags, and even eight-man tags. But eventually, he began slowing down into his retirement. Um, the retirement was huge, and it was a, in a stadium match. It took place in 1982. And it was against a young and full head of hair, King Kong Bundy. Fritz ended up winning the match and the American Heavyweight Championship. At the time of his retirement, Fritz won titles for Big Time Wrestling, which was a part of the promotion that the Sheik ran up here in Michigan. All Japan, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, AWA, Stampede, and of course, the WCCW, which he ran. Um, after his retirement, wrestlers resented having the three boys on most cards, but this was not due to favoritism or nepotism. They all brought it to the table. Kevin Van Erich described the brothers' gimmick of not having a gimmick as the greatest gimmick. Which that just sounds like a lot of hoopla to me, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, there's not very many people in wrestling that have just gone out there and wrestled. Um, I can think of Chris Candido when he had his no gimmicks needed. Uh, Daniel Bryan kind of did that. I know he's the American Dragon, but that was about it. He kind of just went out there and beat your ass. Um, the closest modern day, I don't know if you'd agree with me, would probably be John Moxley. Uh, I mean, he doesn't... He's got a look, but I wouldn't call it a gimmick. It's just he came in off the street. No one else really has a no gimmick. A no gimmick. Uh, I guess just because you said it, I have no time to think about it. I guess Moxley, I guess. 
Um, say almost the and then i think danielson still to an extent i mean every so often he'll dip into one like wanting to be friendly to the earth or you know kicking your head off that's about it which i mean like i said at the time and you figure this was in the 80s having no gimmick kind of a big deal i mean things weren't as cartoony as they would become but still, you had you had all these cowboys. Eventually, you'd get the rock and roll Freebirds. You know, there's seems like everyone had something. You had the Sheik. You had the All American Boy Bob Backlund. You had the Superstar Billy Graham, just to name a few. Uh, Kevin said during this time that they felt like rock stars, but he hated walking to the ring. Um, he hated it because he had to cover both his lips and his privates while walking down to the ring <laughs> because girls would try and kiss them and grab them, which I'm sure many superstars now are glad that the barricades are pushed a little bit back. Because uh, I'm not saying that would happen necessarily as much now, but I'm sure there's some men and women that would have to have that worry. Yeah, for sure. Um, WCCW got national recognition. It's It spread like wildfire, and shows were being pirated in the Middle East, which the Von Erichs found out when they received letters from fans. The boys wanted to go nationwide, but Fritz refused. Like all good wrestling stories, the old-timer holds the company back. I mean, we kind of talked about this with the AWA, Vern wanted to go nationwide, but his son didn't. Or Vern didn't want to go nationwide, but his son wanted to. Um, it was interesting though, because WCCW had new filming techniques and ideas. They had camera crews all over the ring instead of just the one hard cam. They had all the lighting. They were getting cameras in and near the matches, and they had vignettes for wrestlers, which other promotions were doing, but not as well as WCCW. Um, the biggest thing that happened for the Von Erichs was the arrival of the Freebirds. Michael Hayes showed up in Texas, and he said that he had never heard of anyone going to Texas to further their careers. Usually, Texas was filled with the Von Erichs and whatever old-timers passing through to get fed to them. Um, we've actually talked about this Christmas show on Terry Gordy's profile. Um, the feud with the Freebirds began on Christmas night at the Star Wars Super Show. Pretty sure they couldn't do that anymore, thanks to Disney. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Michael, Hayes, Michael Hayes says you can look at the tapes to see how many people he brought to Texas. And the Freebird feud was the cornerstone of WCCW. How this feud started, like I said, I, I think I mentioned a couple times. I think it'll be mentioned on a Flair podcast. Um, it was Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich. Michael Hayes, who had been friends with the Von Erichs, was the special ref. Terry Gordy was kind of the muscle man outside to make sure no horsemen, no interference got involved. Um, cause I, don't, I don't know if necessarily there was horsemen at the time. Yeah, I think it was just interference. And, you know, Michael Hayes dropped Ric Flair. He told Kerry to pin him. Kerry didn't want to win like that because Kerry, you know, 
tried a true baby face. Michael Hayes got upset, told Terry Gordy to open the door. He's leaving. When he went to do that, um, Rick Flair, or yeah, Rick Flair knocked Terry in to Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes fell out of the cage. So then when Terry Gordy looks up, he sees Kerry Von Erich knocking Michael Hayes out of the ring. So then he slams that cage door on Kerry's head, and then Ric Flair gets the pinfall. Starts years of feuding. They even tried to bring it back with other Von Erichs and other Freebirds. But the best that this had was David, Kerry, and Kevin versus Terry Gordy, Buddy Jack Roberts, and Michael Hayes. Uh, the big downfall, the beginning downfall, I should say, of WCCW was the death of David Von Erich. It began with a match in Raleigh. Uh, Kevin noticed David looked white, and he told David to stay on the apron. Kevin worked the whole match, and then they went their separate ways. Next and last time they saw each other was there's at the table, and he, Kevin looked at David and said, don't you go to Japan and die on me? Uh, it should be noted, David's grandma also did not want him to go to Japan because of how he was feeling. Um... The next events are described by Bill Irwin, who's better known as the goon in WWF. I know, it seems like a reliable source. But, um, Bill Irwin was actually a pretty big guy in Texas as Wild Bill Irwin. Uh, he says, when you go to Japan, you have a big steak and you have many beers. Um, then he went up with David to his room. He said he's going to make a phone call to his wife, so he left him alone. The next day, the EMTs and hospital staff had to get in the room and try to save David. As they would remove the mask, food would have to be wiped away constantly. To go with this, Irwin does not think that David's death was a suicide or drug-related. He thought he went down, he ate, he drank, then he went up and he purged. Because then he saw him come back down and have more meals, so more steak, more beer. Go upstairs and do it again. He thinks that what happened is he fell asleep and his body purged on its own. And he choked on the food and the beer. Um, this goes along with what Akbar and Kevin Von Erich both say where it was a stomach rupture. His uh, stomach just ruptured, and because he was sleeping, he choked. Um, Kevin does mention that he drank and took pills to get past the pain. Um, Gary Hart attributes the death to the pain meds and jet lag, making him forget how many pills he took and how much food he ate. Some rumors, like we've touched on, state that Bruiser Brody, Bruiser Brody flushed down pills and any other drugs that were in the room. This is still one of those... It's, it's interesting, a lot of the deaths within WCCW as the company was going on. People question what actually happened. I mean, you figure Bruiser Brody wrestled for them at the time. This happened with David Von Erich. Gino Hernandez's death was talked about on Dark Side of the Ring where they said they found cocaine in his stomach. You know, so it seems like he was set up and killed. Uh, there's that famed the talk with JBL on the WWE Network with Michael Hayes where he's, so you're saying that Gino was killed? And then Michael Hayes, I didn't say that. 
so then he overdosed. Well, I didn't say that either. So there's just there's all these questions, and it's it's just always intrigued me that it's this. It seems this one promotion has all these issues. Um, but I mean, again, you got to look at the time. Uh, David's death was in 1984. If they were living like rock stars, I'm sure drugs and alcohol were involved. And I normally don't like to, you know, confirm or say how I fully believe, but I mean, I, I just have to look at it like that. I don't think your body is going to regurgitate food because you've done it two or three times before. I, I, your body's not going to remember that. You know? Like, oh man, he threw up a couple times. Maybe he wants to throw up again. Then I feel like if you're going to do that, you're not going to sleep through it. That's just, that's just my opinion. Um, at the time of his death, February 10th, 1984, David was actually in line to beat Ric Flair to be the new NWA world champion. Out of all the boys, David had the most it factor and was a great wrestler. Um, at the time of his death, David had held many championships throughout all Japan, big time wrestling, WCCW, and championship wrestling for Florida. He was only 27 and he had a large funeral in February of that year. But on May 8th, they held the David Von Erich Parade of Champions. At this event, Fritz actually came out of retirement, as all wrestlers do. And he, Mike, and Kevin won the NWA six-man titles from the Freebirds. Um, after this night, Fritz would give up his part of the title so Carrie could have it. Um, Carrie actually beat Ric Flair for the title that night. He won, as Shawn Michaels would say, in a most surprising way, with a backslide. After that night, Carrie held both of the championships, but he lost the NWA titles eight NWA title eighteen days later. Um, what Jerry Lawler has to say to this is that being a champion meant other responsibilities than wrestling. Um, so what this means is, you've seen the photos of Ric Flair, I'm sure. You've seen the photos of Nick Bockwinkle, Jerry Lawler, heck, even, you know, Hogan, when he makes appearances with the championship, dressed up, looks like a champion. You know, wouldn't party, but they'd get the job done. Right, yeah. uh, it's, it's implied... Carrie couldn't do both. That having to travel and not being in his own territory was a lacking point for Carrie. I mentioned Mike earlier. Mike was the next boy to get into wrestling for the Von Erics. Um, he took David's spot. He wasn't as big as the other three. Um, and Mike was really the first one where fans and wrestlers started questioning if Fritz kind of forced him in. So, I mean, you're a promoter. You've got one of the hottest acts in Texas. Like, people are going to these events more than they're going to, you know, university football matches. They're being compared to the Cowboys. So if one goes, you have to replace them, right? You can't just do tag matches. Right. And Fritz can't keep coming out of retirement. 
Um, that's when Mike came in. Speaking of the Cowboys, Tom Landry, famed Super Bowl winning head coach, and his wife went to Israel for religious reasons. And he came back and he told Fritz von Erich that everyone was talking about the von Erichs there. They then took a tour to Israel, which again, we're in the 80s and a Texas based promotion is taking a tour of Israel. To me, that just seems crazy. Yeah. Like a little, I don't want to call them a mom and pop promotion, but I mean, the promoter and the big three stars are all family. I mean, to go there, I don't, it, it's just, you, you hear about Impact going to like Africa or India or even WWE going to China and it's a big deal. Right. And here you have a territory from Texas. Going to, go to Israel, yeah. The fucking the Holy Land. Yeah. Um, on the first tour of Israel, the first match, um, Mike popped his shoulder out. They had to fly back to Texas to have surgery, and this is April of '85. Um. The incision caused toxic shock syndrome. Oh no. Really the family was told to say goodbye. Oh no. But he pushed through. Kevin says that the doctors were amazing, but it was a miracle due to praying that he survived. He was in the hospital for multiple weeks after the toxic shock syndrome with a high fever. Some say 107 and 108. After this, he was never the same. I, I, I hate shit like that. Let me just point that out there. He the was, the he, praying saved him? The praying saved him. No, it was a fucking doctor's dude. I don't know. I mean, again, especially in, what, what did I say, 85? Toxic shock syndrome? I mean, his temp was 107, 108. I'll get into it a little bit later, but, I mean, brain cells are fried. Because if you remember the big thing with COVID is your temp would get so high, it'd fry brain cells. And people's temps were getting to, what, 103, 104? If his really got to 107, 108, not good. No, 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 no. Um, and, and now, with the Von Erich injured, retired, and dead, uh, they needed a third. So in came Lance Von Erich. Kayfabe son of Waldo. Real name Kevin Vaughn. Someone who grew up in Texas. My first question is, and I've thought of this ever since I watched the WCCW documentary, why, if you're going to lie and say someone's a Von Eric, would you pick someone from the damn area? Like the fans that come to your show week after week are the same people that go to these high school football games in Texas, these college football games. Like, they're going to recognize this guy. Right. Wouldn't you outsource it? Like, reach out to someone in, like, California or events up north and go, hey, you have give me, someone... Give me the tallest dude with the longest hair. Yeah, it's like, hey, <laughs> do you remember when you had Waldo Von Eric? Yeah, we're trying to do his son. Can we have him here? And they could have traded him. Like, hey, once... Once Mike comes back, can uh, you can have Mac, and then you have a Von Eric up there. No, Kevin Vaughn. Um, the fans were angry. 
and they voiced displeasure to Gary Hart, who was coming back to book at the time, that the Von Erichs had lied. He describes it as, you know that the tragedies have happened, and they've done some bad things with them. Now they've lied to us. Only a few months into this, Fritz made an announcement on TV that Kevin Vaughn was not and was never a Von Erich, and that he is terminating his relationship with him immediately. So again, 85, to me, this is one of the first times Kayfabe's broke on like a large scale. Yeah, especially in fucking 85. Yeah, like you, you, have to, you, you, have to, you have to drive separately with people. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I find this a little silly too. I, I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, their last name isn't actually Von Erich. So the Von Erich name, uh, there, there's no real Von Erichs. Or Atkinsons. So the fact that they made a Von Erich shouldn't have bothered the fans. But I guess that shows how good they were at keeping kayfabe because they thought they were actually Von Erichs. Um, I feel fucking cheated. <laughs> in 1986, WCCW split from the NWA and they recognized their own world champion. People that held the title included Kevin Von Erich, Kerry Von Erich, Black Bart, who was a jobber in WCW uh, Chris Adams was a big guy in Texas and he actually helped train Steve Austin and Ravishing Rick Rude uh, June 4th 1986 Kerry got into a serious motorcycle crash and he had to endure a 15 hour surgery on his leg mainly his foot um, the story goes that after the surgery he was hopped up on pain pills at the hospital and he tried to walk on it thus crunching it and the foot had to be amputated so that was in 86 um i'll get to it a little bit later if you remember he wrestled in the wwf in the early 90s okay i mean again he's got one foot i can't imagine that's going to be easy Especially having to be, you know, athletic and, um, why do I get into it? Or, you know, so there was actually a moment, um, I didn't get into it, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it here. Okay. He would show up to the shows in his gear already. That way people didn't know he was missing a foot. Um, I don't know what he put in his boot. I don't know if it was stuffed. I don't know if it was a special boot. Um, the story goes, he hit it well until one night someone was doing like a toe hold or figure four and they went to twist the boot and <laughs> it turned around. <laughs> like, fuck, man. Awesome, I. Man. It's just one of those things. Like, all these things I'm saying, it, it sounds like something to be made up for, like, a TV show. Like, oh, 
Don't go to Japan and die on me. Goes to Japan and dies. Aw, oh, man, we're getting recognized in Israel. Comes back, gets toxic socks syndrome. Supposed to die, lives. It's foot amputated and hides it. Like, this is all... You wouldn't think it's real. But only in wrestling can all this happen. Um... Mike returned to wrestling in 86. He's never the same. It's said that he had aggression issues. Uh, one of the things is that he fought a parking meter. Um... This was because of the pressure of having to be David. According to Gary Hart, he said Mike didn't want to wrestle. He just wanted to hang out with his brothers. Um, April 12th, 1987, Mike left a suicide note. He went to the lake with six beers, some Placidil, and a sleeping bag. They couldn't find him for days, but they knew he was gone. At the time of his death, he was just 23, had multiple titles with WCCW, and a fun fact on this somber note, he was actually undefeated in the sport of pro wrestling. That is, that is a very fun fact, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we, we established that after he killed himself in a sleeping bag. Uh, Christmas night, 1987, Fritz von Erich got attacked by the new Freebirds. This time it was led by Iceman King Parsons, not Michael Hayes. And as he was leaving to the ring, he fell to the ground. Many say he was faking a heart attack to capitalize on the von Erich tragedies. But Kevin swears that it was supposed to be his ribs. Faking a heart attack would be really cheesy. And I made sure to put that in, um... I mentioned I mentioned multiple times in this actually. We went to Starcast. Oh, we did. We did. We went to Starcast uh, when we. Um, uh, do you remember one of the spots in the match where Ric Flair uh, faked a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was cheesy in '87, I can't imagine it would be in 2022. But uh, God damn. <laughs> in 88 Wild West Wrestling merged with WCCW when Fritz sold a third of his ownership or a third of the ownership of WCCW to Ken Mantel um, Fritz was actually out of running it at the time and Kevin and Kerry were running most of it so they were they were a little they were upset they were caught off guard again like most wrestling things it seems this happens where someone's running it and the founder or owner sells part of it or sells all of it. Um, also in 88 was Super Clash 3, which was the AWA Continental Wrestling, which was Jerry Lawler's promotion and WCCW. This had that infamous unification match of the heavyweight titles. Uh, this is the one where Kerry got bloody before the match. They're saying because of pills. And they had to incorporate it into the match. This is where Jerry had to slam his arm on the turnbuckle. Um, despite this, it was one of Lawler's favorite matches. It was very bloody. Um, after this, uh, Jerry Lawler won to unify the titles. He actually won as Kerry had the claw on him, but the ref said that Kerry lost because of too much blood lossage. Um, shortly after this, though, Jerry Jarrett became the majority owner. Kerry was for this, 
Kevin wasn't. And this is when WCCW became the USWA. Um, 1990, Kerry Von Erich showed up in the WWF as the Texas Tornado. The reason that he became the Texas Tornado, one, uh, we all know how Vince is about wanting to put his little spin on characters because nothing really changed. Um, the other thing is Kerry Von Erich was always called the Modern Day Warrior, and Bruce Prichard has said that they've already had Road Warriors and an Ultimate Warrior, so they just they had too many Warriors. I think at the time, too... I'm sure there was one more. But, but anyway, they, they just had they had too many. Um, he won the Intercontinental title from Kurt Henning. And like I said, he hit his amputated foot well until it wasn't hit. Um, but by this point, as Gary Hart says, carry abuse, carry. This is just sad to think about. I mean, the Intercontinental title, again, at the 90s, that was given to the workhorses. Piper, Hart, Santana, Henning. I think Kerry Von Erich got it, and usually it was used as a springboard to the heavyweight title, unless you were at the end of your career or you were hurt, like Kurt Henning. So, I mean, they saw big things in Kerry, but he just, it wasn't meant to be. Also at this time, Kevin was making less and less appearances with wrestling. He said his heart just hurt too bad, losing so many brothers. And he would eventually formally retire in 95. Um, Kevin describes wanting to retire because he would go to the same arenas he and his brother wrestled at. And he would look at the turnbuckles. And when they would come down to the ring, fans would have them sign autographs so they'd give them Sharpies. So they would write messages to each other on the turnbuckle. So he'd see messages like, hey, Kev. Or like, love you, it's Dave. So he just he had to give it up. Oh, no. Um, the the youngest brother was Chris Von Erich. He truly wanted to be like his brothers, uh, but he had an asthma medication that made him smaller in size. This also made him prone to fractures. Um, he wanted to wrestle. Others wanted to get him to make cartoons for the programs or do other jobs around the arena, but he wanted to wrestle. Um. During a match, a tag match with Kevin, before Kevin retired, he went for a drop kick, and when he landed, he broke two bones in his arm. God. Um, Chris had always been involved in the business, but it was at this point he decided he didn't want to shame his family. So in 1991, uh, Kevin heard Chris Von Erich's bike, and he went to find him. When he approached him, this was all on their father's ranch. Um, when he went to approach him, he asked him what he was doing. And Chris asked if he found the note. And when Kevin asked him what note, Chris said, just leave me alone. Uh, Kevin left, got back to the house, and he found the note. And he sped back to Chris. Uh, when Kevin pulled up, he saw Chris coughing. And he went to pick him up because he thought he was overdosing. When he went to pick him up... His thumb slid into the hole in the back of Chris's head. Oh, my God. He then felt the blood rush out. All of this while Kevin and Chris's mom was in the vehicle that Kevin came in. Chris was 21 years old. What the fuck? 
In 92, Kerry's Van Erich's life had pretty much fallen apart. He was regulated to opening matches and jobber matches in the WWF. He had a few years on the indies, but he never recouped his popularity. Um, Kerry got arrested because he forged pain pill prescriptions, and he was probably going to jail. Um, between this and his wife not wanting to get back together with him after he tried to reconcile, he also went to the Von Erich Ranch, and he asked his dad for the gun that he got him for Christmas. Uh, Fritz gave it to him because he thought he was going out hunting or shooting. Carrie went to a tree that he and all his brothers played with and played on, and he shot himself in the heart. Fritz found him this time. After he was getting worried that he hadn't heard anything, and it was getting dark. This was 93, and Carrie was only 33. At the time of his death, Carrie, again, was a former Intercontinental Champion, a former NWA Heavyweight Champion, and had numerous championships for WCCW. Kevin, of course, was the last of the Von Erich sons, and the most gut-wrenching thing, which he said it at speeches and on the documentary, is he said he was a big brother for all of his life, and now he's not even a brother. But he does say that he felt lucky to have all the time that he did with his family. Um, in 97, Fritz von Erich eventually passed away due to lung cancer. This was five years after he and his wife divorced. Uh, this was likely due to the fact that with each of his son's passings, Fritz grew more and more miserable and more and more angry. Um, there's stories out there that Fritz chased Kevin out of the house at one point with a shotgun. Uh, this is a dark time for both of them. I mean, on the dark side of the ring, Kevin tells the story of going to a gun shop to steal a gun to kill himself. That's... And the gun shop owner tells him, we love you, Kev. And then, you know, he decided not to do it. Um, yeah, it's a dark... I think a dark time for them is, a, is an understatement. Um, there there really was nothing about the Von Erichs until 2005 he made an appearance or Kevin made an appearance on Raw Homecoming and Rob Conway was one of the first guys that all the legends beat the shit out of Um, eventually you know Heath Slater would pick up this role Rusev you know um, he had the claw on him Jim Ross was over the moon and he said he never thought he'd see a iron claw again the fans loved it. Kevin Von Erich, Von Erich is a hole in Texas. They have a pull on that town. The only way that I can think to describe it, again, when we went to Starcast, we saw the people they announced. They announced Jerry Lawler pretty early, and they kept telling people, "You gotta buy your Jerry Lawler meet and greets." Now we knew it was in Tennessee. We didn't uh, expect the line that Jerry Lawler had. He's still a hero. It wrapped around the room. And that's what I think Kevin's would be like in Texas. Um, the Von Erichs all went in the Hall of Fame in 2009. Kevin, of course, accepted it for all of them. Uh, funny enough, he had a last match in Israel with his sons around this time against Marty Jannetty, Jumping Lee, and Jerry Roif. 
day one. And from then on, Kevin's been retired. He doesn't make too many appearances. One here or there. Um, Kevin, Carrie Von Erich's daughter, Lacey Von Erich, wrestled for Impact in the mid-2000s when they were TNA. She actually won the Tag Team Championship as a member of the Beautiful People. Uh, and last but not least, we have Marshall and Ross Von Erich. They compete for MLW. Um, they've made appearances in Texas for Impact Wrestling in 2014. That's when their dad was there. Um, if you want to see a crowd reaction, look that up. Because, I mean, even with the small Impact crowds at this time, they blew up for Kevin. And this was on, like, the opening match of the pre-show. This wasn't a main event. But he just he has such a connection with that audience. Um that whole family still popular in Texas. Those two boys, they seem to have a bright future. The match they put on with the Briscoes was a good one. I think if they keep it up, they they have a future, whether it be WWE or AEW, or even if they stick with MLW for the time. Um, let's just hope that with the Hall of Fame induction and now with how the boys are doing, that the light finally shines on the Von Erich family and it doesn't dull out.